What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast. It is officially back to weekly status for us, so Andy and I are super excited to have published two podcasts in a span of seven days, even though this one's not published yet. Um, how you doing, Andy? Feel so consistent right now. I don't, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> do with myself our continuity is off the charts it really is we're like uh i'm trying to think of a team with good continuity the clippers came to mind but they have all their like psychological issues so i don't want to compare us to them how about the spurs are like the there you go san antonio is the bastion of consistency we're like we're like Kawhi and hi i'm rick store director from the mill valley safeway our pick four sales back with over 100 items to choose from. It's simple. Mix and match any four participating items. That's right, any four. They don't have to be the same, so mix and match away. Here's a few to choose from. Lean Cuisine and Stouffer's Simple Dishes or Signature Classics Entrees, 6 to 13 ounce selected varieties, only $1.77, and Kellogg's Cereal 10 to 12 ounce, $1.69 each. When you buy four, look for the red tags in store. This is Rick from the Mill Valley Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Uh, Kyle Anderson. Actually, if you... <laughs> All right, I'll be Kyle because I came for okay. so. You're the one who was the big Kyle Anderson fan, right? Didn't we get into something about him with when Adam was still on? I was convinced that he was going to have a breakout season or something. Um, I'm still not ready to give up on him. I think he's pretty good. We, we've already found ourselves on a tangent here. Uh, the other tangent was, and this is just for FYI for people listening, is that we needed to leave about 20 seconds of silence before we started recording today which is longer than we've ever done, and I had to call it after 15 seconds because it was just so weird and awkward and whatever. So <laughs> I could have sat it out for, like, another 15. I was fine. Really? I was just – I sensed this tension. I, I could <laughs> you see – You were antsy. Yeah, I thought I could just sense you getting ready to block more people on Twitter. Yeah. yeah well, it happens quick with me. You don't um, get too many chances. <laughs> two, you said, right? You get two chances if you say something stupid, Basically, you're muted? Basically, yeah. 
<laughs> By the way, guys, I've been muted on Andy's timeline since like 2012, I think. <laughs> about that. Um, so we're going to just talk playoffs today. That that was probably pretty obvious to anyone who's a fan of the NBA. I'm going to throw it to you as per usual about which conference, which series you want to start with. Okay, let's start with the uh, top seed in the East, the which Bulls. is <laughs> <laughs> in trouble, still in a ton of trouble, but maybe slightly less, less now that, that we have this Rajon Rondo news. Um, man, it seems crazy two or three months ago if something like this had come out, Rajon Rondo out indefinitely with a broken thumb, we probably wouldn't have batted an eye at it. But now it seems like a pretty significant injury, right? I mean, does this, does this make you think the, the Celtics have a chance now? I still have the Celtics winning the series, even if Rondo is healthy. I, I just can't, oh. I can't buy into the Bulls. But it is interesting, like you said, how Rondo was the player they couldn't play, and now he's being yeah. depicted as the player that they can't lose. I, I don't know what they do. He's been valuable for them, and, and he was playing pretty good defense on Isaiah Thomas to this point. The Bulls, I, I think, were a plus. They were a plus 20 with him on the floor total, and they're a plus one without him or, or something like that. But that's, you know, two games. That's a lot of noise. It's going to be tough for them. And I, I, but again, I just didn't buy into all of a sudden Butler and Wade and, and Rondo were all of a sudden clicking. And I just don't know how sustainable that was. The Celtics missed a ton of wide open threes in game two. You have to imagine those will eventually start to fall. Al Horford isn't going to get bested by Robin Lopez for the entire series, I would imagine. I, I just looked at these things and, and just assumed that, oh, well, Avery Bradley will start shooting better. Uh, Jay Crowder will start shooting a little bit better. So, so I, I would have picked them anyway, but it, it is interesting that you can say, wow, the Bulls lost Rondo. This is, this is pretty big. See, here's, here's the reason I was ready to buy into the Bulls, at least to the extent that they could win this series. Two, two of the guys that have been so important in these two wins, Rondo and Wade, are both guys who've been around for a decade plus and are exactly the kind of players that you could just see mailing in a regular season. Right. Um, and all of a sudden, they're they're playing the way they can play when they really are engaged. Um, and in the first couple games of the series, it just it looked like Boston didn't really have any answers. And when you watched it, it didn't seem like there was many adjustments that they could make either. I, I don't know... I don't know what they can do to counter Jimmy Butler. I think that's a huge issue with or without Rondo. Uh, he's the best player in the series to me, and I don't think it's particularly close. I know Isaiah Thomas is a great offensive player, but he's been a huge minus on the other end of the ball all season. Um, and I think having the best player in a series really matters. And even with Rondo out, I, they, they've still got that. And fortunately, they can try to weather the storm of, of his absence with two home games here. But, you know, sitting here on Friday, I do think the door has opened a little bit for the Celtics. Before this news, I thought they were done. Uh, but I, I think they have a little bit of a chance now. The thing for me is the, bi the biggest loss for the Bulls right now is who do you put on Isaiah Thomas? If you're going to put Butler on Isaiah Thomas – then there's no point in giving minutes to Michael Carter-Williams or Jaron Grant because that's really the only argument to play either of them heavy minutes at this point is you don't want to put Butler or, to a lesser extent, Wade 
on Isaiah Thomas because if we're talking about offensively, and, and I tweeted this before, I'd probably rather see Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade just trade off being the pseudo point guard, and then you throw mm-hmm. Paul Zipser into the starting lineup with Lopez. I was going to say, I, I saw some some Bulls guys talking about that on Twitter today, and I hopefully Fred Hoiberg does that. I think that's probably the best lineup. I think he already announced that Jaron Grant is going to be the one starting. I, I saw that too, but I'm saying that's a lineup that I hope and I think that they should go to with Wade and Butler right. and Zipser, just like you said. Um, and Because I don't think they're going to – I mean <laughs> – what does Jerry and Grant or Michael Carter Williams give the Bulls that 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 trio doesn't? I, I, I don't think, think there's so anything for Jerry Grant. I think you can at least envision him um, kind of surviving on Isaiah Thomas. Michael Carter Williams is just long, and you know Carter Williams at least is like I think he's with all his flaws during his career, he's still always been a pretty good defensive player. So I could maybe justify playing him just for that reason. Right. Um, it's interesting. So I looked this up. In the regular season, um, Wade and Butler played 217 minutes together without any other point guards on the floor. Jeff uh-huh. Grant, Michael Carter-Williams, the like. And the Bulls were a plus seven points per 100 possessions with one of the, what would have been a top, I think, two or three offensive rating and a defense that would have been average. So, you know, that kind of supports the whole maybe, maybe you go to that later in the game. You, you see what you can get out of everybody else who you want to put on Isaiah Thomas, but maybe you do throw Zipser into that lineup because he he's a better shooter um, than, well, Jaron Grant's been weird. He gets hot this year, but still, in, in, in a vacuum, he's a better floor spacer than Jaron Grant um, or Michael Carter-Williams. He can, he's going to play without the ball more. That would, be very, that would be a very interesting look. And just a really quick side point, can we talk about Dwayne Wade's three-point shooting in the playoffs? <laughs> It, since, it is crazy. I, I, since it's and it's not like it's no volume. Like he's attempted six yep. three pointers through three games and made four of them, so that's three a game. But if you look, so since the two thousand nine playoffs, two thousand nine playoffs. So we're we're talking about eight years here, or including this season. <laughs> Dwayne Wade is shooting thirty six point one percent from three, eighty three of two hundred and thirty. That's not that's crazy. terribly insignificant. I don't know what that comes out to per game. I'll check that really quick, um, but. You have a guy who, yeah, it's two attempts per game. That's like, that's legit volume. Maybe not yeah. by today's standards so much, but for him, I mean, this is a guy who's not even averaging two attempts per 36 minutes from deep for his career. And he's shooting under 29% from three for his career. It's just, he, if you're going to get him to shoot, obviously he won't shoot 50 plus percent, or at least we don't think because he shot 50 plus percent last year, I believe, in the playoffs. If if you're gonna get three point shooting from him, like, like damn, you know. <laughs> yeah, if that keeps up, even with Rondo out, it's hard. It's hard for me to see Boston winning uh, four out of the next five. Do you think this six. to kind of make this a big picture and a little bit evergreen? Do you think that it forget about whether they win this first round at this point? Like they already showed. Now they can use the excuse, oh, we didn't have Rondo, even if they lose. I predicted. Uh, when we made Bleacher Report staff predictions, and I'm going to stand by it, I think the Bulls are just going to run this back next year now. For the Celtics, There's... playing the Bulls was almost the worst thing in the world. 
uh, because the Bulls have now gotten probably a taste that they think they can contend with the best in the East. So a Jimmy Butler trade, I wouldn't say it's completely out of the question. If Dwayne Wade opts out and you decide to waive Rondo, who's who only has $3 million guaranteed next year, there's still a possibility. But this was almost a, a, one of the worst-case scenarios for the Celtics by standing pat at the trade deadline is you've given the Bulls a chance to believe. And I, I still support the Celtics standing pat. That's not the bigger point. But for the Bulls, do you think that now this is the evidence? Like, you know what, we're just going to run this back. We'll have some cap space even if Wade opts in and we bring Rondo back and we'll fill it out with a shooter and Miritich has been hitting more of his threes um, toward the end of the regular season. Do, do you think – that they're gonna... It definitely seems more likely now. I, like you said, I wouldn't, um, you know, I wouldn't guarantee it or anything. But they certainly have some evidence to fall back on to say, uh, you know, we're we're pretty good when we're really engaged. Their record against good teams is good during the regular season too. It just seems like they're now. This is a, a this combined. is a group that when they want to be good, um, <laughs> they can be. They're now ten and three combined regular season and playoffs against the top three seeds in the East. There you go. I'm glad you had that for me because I didn't have it ready. They were 8-3 and three during the regular season. I had looked that up. So that's, that's impressive. That's crazy even when you – I think Cleveland in two of their matchups or three of their matchups wasn't even at full strength, but that's still pretty crazy. So to, let's put a bow on this first series uh, by predicting how it plays out. I, I think even with Rondo gone, I think they're going to get it done. Celt- I, I just, it's hard for me to see Boston winning four out of the next five. Celtics in seven. I want to say Celtics in six, but I'm not that savage. Celtics in okay. seven. All right, we have an, a disagreement. This is already different than last week's This podcast. is good. We should end the podcast now, right, with, with some controversy? <laughs> yeah, a little uh, Yeah, back and forth. Let's jump to the number two seed in the East, which is uh, the Cavs and the Pacers, which is coming off a crazy game uh, just last night where – Cleveland was down 25 at halftime, still comes back and wins. Uh, it was just a barrage of three-pointers for the whole second half. I, I think you saw really what that offense is like when it's fully unleashed. LeBron had, I think he had like 25, 8, and 7 in the second half alone. He had a 20, in the second half, he played all 24 minutes. He had 27 points, 6 rebounds. Seven assists, shot four of eight Jeez. from beyond the arc, and nine of 16 Zero turnovers. Overall. Yeah, and the Cavaliers were obviously a plus 30 with him on the court because that's how much they outscored the Pacers by in the second So half. what I said, like, right after this, uh, that comeback was <laughs> the Pacers probably shouldn't even come out of the locker room for game four. This, this series is over, right? Yeah, the bigger question is what's going to happen with Paul George now? Yeah, that that's definitely true. It, um I saw. It seems like he has a new, like, <laughs> interesting take after every game, too, in the in the post game press conferences. Here's my thing, and I don't want to really side with the Pacers media or fan media, who were saying that the national media didn't watch enough Pacers game. This is how he always was from afar. I, Paul George's attitude at points this season seemed frustrating and irritating and unhealthy for that locker room. Since the playoffs started, I actually don't take huge issue with anything he's done he was asked about the miles turner question the thing he said about lance was so spot on and it it was Uh, was, the lance comment was blown way out of proportion it was a compliment he was like lance is viewed as a leader in this locker room we need him to act like one and the cj miles one is the biggest the biggest problem and you know on the scale of problems it's not really that huge you shouldn't have said that to reporters but at the same time 
it wasn't like, well, CJ shouldn't have. I, like he said, I talked to CJ. He was cool with it. And you want your best player to want the ball. And CJ kind of just bounced off it. He was like, yeah, but I would take that shot again too. It, it wasn't a thing. So uh, it. So like I don't use that as evidence. Like, oh, Paul George is done with the Pacers. I think it's interesting because even if he makes an all-NBA team now, and it kind of looked like he wouldn't for most of the season, but he finished strong. But Yeah, let's, that ending kick probably gets him on, but go ahead. Let, let's say he makes it, um, and he becomes eligible for the designated player exception extension. That'll pay him, it'll tack five years and $200-plus million onto next year. So the Pacers can theoretically wrap him up for six years, or maybe that fifth year will have a player option or however it's structured. So with at least the next half decade. If you're Indiana and you just got pummeled by the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know you have a budget in free agency, even though you have cap space. You know Jeff Teague is going to cost you probably not max money, but if George Hill is going to get $20 million, Teague is probably going to get he'll be 16. Around there. Yeah, he'll be right yeah. there. Do, do you want to give Paul George that money? Or not necessarily do we want, like, do you give it to him or do you trade him anyway, um, kind of like the Kings did with Cousins, because you realize we're going to reinvest all this money, not really have a bunch of flexibility to improve. And where, where are we then? It might be a little bit different for them because Miles Turner could be a star and Thaddeus Young's contract doesn't look that bad. But just it's, it's so interesting now because you're, you're not even putting up – the games have been close, but if you get swept by the Cavaliers, even if Paul George makes that All-NBA team, I don't think it removes the guesswork from the equation. Yeah, I think the designated player – extensions are um they might not be used exactly the way the league intended or anticipated because i think i think there's a way that they can kind of scare teams i I think you're kind of mentioning that with the pacers like do we really want to commit this much money to a guy i mean it's clear that as the alpha of this team right now they have no shot um they have no shot to even get out of the first round. So do you really want to pour that much money into essentially doing the same thing? And I, I think that's a big reason why Sacramento traded Cousins, too. They knew they were going to have to pay him that much money to keep him. And do you really want to pour all that money into you know, maintaining the status quo in, in Sacramento? So I think it is definitely on the table that they would uh, that Indiana would want to part ways as much as Paul George this summer. Um, and does the anyone... question is, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. I was just sorry. going to say, the question is, how do you do it? Um, trade them to the nuggets. I mean, <laughs> the, yeah. Cause he said, didn't he say the nuggets weren't set up to win or something like that? Yeah. Which um, is hysterical because the Lakers are in such a good spot to, to the be Lakers. the Warriors. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> but yeah. Do you, do you trade him? Can you find a trade partner where you recoup some of that value or do you let him walk? I don't, I don't know exactly how that would look. Do you think that no team at this point, and, and maybe it's different just because we're dealing with, you know, relatively Sacramento was making money. So I don't want to call them a small market, but does no team want to be the first one to give out this designated player extension? Because it's so big. These contracts are so huge and they don't necessarily have a lay of the land yet with the cap spikes. Like we, we don't really know what contracts are. We know what contracts are going to look bad, but we don't know in terms of you mm-hmm. know stars and the players that are going to be getting these deals just yet. And you're right. Maybe it's had that reverse effect, a, a, a wow effect, especially for a small <laughs> market team like Indiana. At the same time, the argument I think, is... Yeah, I was going to say, I think some of them 
are going to be obvious when they come up, but the ones that could come up first are are not so obvious, like Paul George and DeMarcus Cousins and maybe Gordon Hayward. I think Utah would definitely pay that. But oh, it's do just... you? <laughs> I'm not even being sarcastic. That's like... Oh, they, they absolutely would. I think that's a team that has to... Like, if they lose him, they got to start over again, and I'm not sure they're ready to do that two or three years after their last start over. But... It's none of none of these guys who are coming up for it right now are like LeBron James or Stephen Curry, where it's like, yeah, we absolutely have to do that. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. Russell Westbrook won't he be eligible for one um, after this season? Is he he would be a no brainer one, right? Yeah, I think so. So, but it, I mean, <laughs> the, I don't know. Then I, the the other thing though, the layer of this and. I guess this is kind of a tangent, but it's good because the Pacers are done. So let's just tie this into a national perspective. If you're, mm-hmm. how do you reconcile if you're the team giving up that many assets for a player who could not only leave, but maybe he's pissed that you traded for him and and made him ineligible for that designated player uh, extension. This this case maybe yeah, that's an interesting wrinkle is, too. This is maybe different from the Cousins situation because the Kings per reports had just told Cousins they were going to pay him. I don't know that Mm -hmm. the Pacers have necessarily told George that, but George already, we know he wants to go to the Lakers per all these reports. A a, a team that's not the Lakers is probably better off trading for him because they can give the Pacers more. But how do you reconcile giving up those assets for almost another reason? For a guy who might want out, yeah. Yeah, like it gives them another reason to not want to leave. So it's, I understand. That's why it's interesting that, I don't. I don't think trading him is a no-brainer. Well, where and do you just accept whatever the Lakers are giving? And the, the Lakers, in my opinion, knowing Paul George is going to hit free agency, and knowing that you're giving up um, players to then earn the right to pay Paul George, who will be entering the second half of his prime, or maybe already be into the second half of his prime. If you're going to give a package of Ingram and either this year's number three pick and or D'Angelo Russell and or Julius Randle and or Larry, like, I, I wouldn't want to mortgage the farm for him. If See, I, yeah, I was just going to say, I'm not one of those guys that would do that. I, I would rather, um, usually you want the known over the unknown, but in this situation, uh, I'm going to take the unknown with D'Angelo Russell and, and Brandon Ingram. Because right. I, think, I think there is the potential for higher upside with those two than there is with the known uh, of Paul George, right? So which is good, but I don't think it's quite as good as a lot of people make it out to be. Especially if he's your only star. I mean, he has Exa- yeah, the Pacers sure. are flawed. I, a lot of people expected them to be good. I, I wasn't one of them. That was one of the many things I was, or excuse me, one of the few things I was right about this season. But if you're the Lakers, like you're not beating the Warriors with just Paul George. So if you're trading for him. No. There's a couple of things, one of two things that are probably happening. You honestly believe that you're just going to sign all these other max players as they're hitting free agency in 2018 and 2019, which you can't do because you have Timothy Mozgov and Luol Deng. So you then have to figure out a way to get those contracts off the books. So, Or the other stance to take would be the Warriors and the Cavs exist. The Spurs are still Spursing. Why not see what we have in these young guys? Because by the time they're ready, hopefully the window on these other teams will have closed. And if Paul George wants to come here and he gets to free agency, yeah, you give up cap space for him most certainly. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on this. Do you think, um, so to put a bow on this one, Do you? what do you think have, Pacers are going to lose in four or five. What do you think, is Paul George a member of the team next season? 
That's tough. I'm going gonna... to... I'm going to say yes, at least at the start. Maybe they'll trade him at the trade deadline or something, but I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say no, so we get to argue. We get to be wrong on or go against oh, there you go. two things. I just think— So you're thinking a summer trade? Well, I'm thinking like the summer trade because the Celtics— they Go have, to Boston, yeah. They have to make—you know, you're getting to a point where Marcus Smart, Isaiah Thomas, and Avery Bradley are all going to need new contracts after next year, so they're no longer going to be below— on these below market deals. I really can't talk today. Side note. It's I actually think Boston makes more sense for him too, which is kind of funny because he's going <laughs> to, he might go to Boston and then just one out and go to LA. Right. Um, I like him in Denver or Boston. I think are perfect fits. And if, if you're the Pacers though, you probably can't guarantee you have to worry about, will the Celtics try and make monster offers for Jimmy Butler, assuming that's still a thing. Um, so if you're kind of competing against each other there, if they're going to give you the Nets pick and, you know, they're going to build, I don't know what the offer, if they're going to give you the Nets pick and Jalen Brown or, or just some combination of that, maybe the 2018 Nets pick as well, and you get one of Bradley or Crowder, I don't necessarily know how you pass on that. Yeah, I don't either. Um, but like you said earlier, it's kind of, you know, if you're if you're that team that has – the assets to offer, um, it's hard to justify if you think the guy is just looking at L.A. in the future. It's a weird situation. Um, oh, um, so I guess quick, Cavs in four or five. How long is the series going to take that? I, I'm going to say four. Yeah, me I, too. I think that's a crushing game three loss. I don't, I don't know how they'll be able and, to get Le- up for LeBron four. clearly wants the rest, right? I mean, there's flipping a switch, yeah. and then there's whatever he did in game three. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, definitely Cavs and four for me on that one. Um, I guess we'll just keep going in order through the East, which is that brings us to the Raptors and the Bucks, which I thought would be close, um, but I I didn't see the Bucks doing this much. I Giannis Antetokounmpo is just I, I've watched him a lot during the season because he's so fun to watch. But every time I watch him, I'm just like, oh, so this is actually a thing. <laughs> he, he's actually it, it never ceases to amaze me and. The Bucks don't have an answer. Their defense has been spectacular. I we all continue to have missed on Greg Monroe. I think even the Bucks missed on Greg Monroe just because he's the been awesome was, in this role. We're, we're trying to get rid of him was what everyone thought was the stance was, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden he's he's not using post ups, but he's passing. He's setting hard screens. He's rolling towards the basket. He's a pretty good stationary rim protector. It's 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 fantastic to watch. I don't know why this didn't dawn on me until the middle of last night's game, but I thought that guy has a really strong six man of the year case. He could, he's, he's been awesome. I don't think he'll sniff the award, but top five for sure. You have angles. He certainly and, deserves it more yeah. than Eric Gordon, who, who will probably win it. Um, you really think Eric yeah, Gordon's going to win? I think that momentum he picked up early in the season. I mean, who else is, are they going to give it to? I, I thought it would go to Andre Godala. I voted for James Johnson. I don't have a vote, too. but I picked James Johnson. Um, I didn't even have Gordon in my top three. I had James Johnson. He wasn't in my top three either. Iggy but I just Joanne. feel like most of what I heard and saw, he, he still had a lot of momentum from the beginning of the season. Well, that, but Monroe would be like top five then. With, like, if Gordon's going to be, you have He Ingles, would definitely be in my top five. You have, because there's Ingles, Johnson, Iguodala. Let's just throw Gordon I think Ingles, in there. Johnson, Iguodala would be my top three. Those were my top in, three. In I had, whatever order. Yeah. I had Johnson, Iggy, um, Ingles. The. So the the thing that's interesting about the Raptors Bucks series, um, yet again, Lowry and DeRozan. There's there's something about the playoffs with them. I don't remember. 
I don't know exactly what they shot in last night's game, but the last time wow. I checked it, they were combined three of 17. That was in like the third quarter. Yeah, they didn't. So DeRozan have didn't have worse. a field goal. They wound up being four of 18 combined, and DeRozan didn't make any one of his shots. The, the, slump that, with, the slump with them is so weird, and as I've been reminded on Twitter countless times today because I said Kyle Lowry had the better regular season than John Wall, uh, Lowry just shrinks in the playoffs, and, and DeRozan is right there with him. It's just bizarre. And when, when this series started in Game 1, I, I think DeRozan looked okay at the very beginning. Like, he was getting to the rim, and he hit some shots, and I was like, well, maybe the curse is finally gone. And then you had Lowry had a great borderline great game two, but it's just something about the playoffs and specifically in the first round. I don't know if it's, I don't want to insult them by saying this, but is it Lou Williams syndrome? Like when you're relying so much on yeah, one-on-one opportunities and, yeah, and, and fouls, is it just drawing up and then it's more physical? So for Lowry specifically should be tougher to defend in the playoffs because he's a phenomenal shooter. And even last night on an off night, he shot two of five from deep. Is it the shots just aren't there all of a sudden because the defenses are so physical and, and so stingy? It's I think it's bizarre. I think that's part of it. I think it's also, I think this year specifically, it's a little bit easier to explain just because of how long the Bucks are. Um, I should have I should have keyed this up before we started recording, but I, I think Malcolm Brogdon's wingspan is near seven foot. Um, I didn't realize I he was that long. Yeah, it, when I first saw that, it was kind of surprising. Um, I'm pretty sure Middleton's is over seven feet. So, I mean, these are two guys that can cause – Lowry's a smaller guard, and, you know, that length of, of Brogdon can cause him some trouble. Um, I said this at the beginning of the series and caught a lot of flack for it, but I think I might still stand by it. If If I'm picking one shooting guard – just in a vacuum, I might take Chris Middleton over DeMar DeRozan um, because of what he does defensively. I think he's, I think his ability to shoot from deep makes him a different kind of weapon than he's De, a better De, De DeRozan is. Too. I don't want to, yeah, I don't really want to sell short DeRozan's just raw, pure scoring ability, but I think overall game, I'm probably taking Middleton. So when you throw all that length at them, plus if they do get past that perimeter defense, then there's, there's Giannis's length. There's Thon Maker. Um, they just have all these freakishly long arms in the way, and their defense has just been stifling. I think the Raptors barely scored 30 points in the first half yesterday. We and their uh, their three point shooting that the Bucks has been off the charts this series. I mean, if if and the bigger thing is, is the Bucks have goaded Giannis into some jumpers, but if he's going to shoot, and he's not taking a lot, but he's three of seven from three in the series. He's knocked down some of those longer twos. If he's going to hit a good percentage of his jump shots, and then you're getting um, improved shooting from Matthew Delvadova, who for at least one or two games, every playoff series turns into Stephen Curry, and Malcolm Brogdon's going to continue to hit his threes, and Chris Middleton's going to continue to hit his threes. And then you just, you have Thon Maker, who's a threat. Again, a guy who's only taken yep. four three-pointers and 14 shots through the series, but he's he's a floor spacer because he shot and a high his defense has been great too. There was that uh, clip. He's really grown into to this role since they made him the starter. Yeah, the clip of him switching that surfaced, I think, after was it game one or two was just like it was watching it in real time, it for me at least it's almost been tough to appreciate what he's doing, but it's it's not like that one play 
I don't even know if I want to say it's a microcosm for everything he's doing, but the way he's able to switch and he's so he seems so strong for a guy who looks at, like a twig. It, this uh-huh. this team is is fantastic to watch. And I just want to uh, real quick back up what I said earlier. Brogdon's combine measurement was six ten and a half wingspan, six five and a half height with his shoes on, and then Middleton is when he was measured at the combine was six eight in shoes. Uh, with a six eleven wingspan, and that's their backcourt. And you can even argue, yeah. And like Middleton's not—he's in the Giannis bubble where it's like, well, he's not really a shooting guard. You could probably play him at small forward or power forward right now. But the fact that they have him playing and defending twos, and he'll switch onto point guards—it's yep. just—I I don't disagree with what you said about DeRozan because he's the. Let's say DeRozan's the better scorer, and we can also let's put them on even keel with playmaking because I know DeRozan's role has kind of shifted, and he's proved that he can run pick and roll and set up his teammates, but Middleton is at least just as good there. When you add in the three-point shooting and the length and just what he does on defense, I, I think if you were saying, would you rather have Chris Middleton or DeRozan, it's not outlandish to say that you would choose Middleton, especially if you have another star on your team. Yeah. If, it, if it's a matter of building from scratch and you need that guy who can create a shot from nothing, then I guess I would understand the DeRozan pick. I think I'm probably taking Middleton in either one of those situations. I, I would listen um, to it. So I, they're up two one right now, right? The Bucks, and and based on last night's game, they they look pretty comfortable. I'm going to say Bucks in six, so it's not going back to Toronto. Wow. Um, I had Raptors in seven, and I, I haven't decided whether I want to change it to Bucks in seven. This series, I feel like, is going to go seven. I'm just going to stick with my original pick so that I'm not, I'm not. I think if it goes seven, the Raptors have a a real good shot. They have a their their playoff crowds are pretty frenzied, and I I think they would rise to the occasion if it gets back to Toronto. I concur. I'm just going to stick with Toronto in seven, so I don't move off my prediction. But I will say there hasn't been the slightest shred of evidence that makes that decision rational. um okay so we have one more series in the east and that is the hawks and the wizards i think this one to me seems uh pretty obvious atlanta looks or not atlanta (laughs) washington looks comfortably better than atlanta to me right now yeah wizards in five should we move on yeah (laughs) i'm fine with that it was Um, the wall has been amazing i i think they, they simply don't have an answer for that they don't, and the offense is just for the Hawks is just not good. They had over the final thirty or thirty-one games in the regular season, they had the league's worst offensive rating. They just don't have enough spacing. They're terrible when Dwight Howard is on the floor offensively, and their defense, while it's statistically good at points, and you have a guy like Millsap um, and Dwight Howard's a good rim protector, just to go up against Washington's barrage of combo wings when they're throwing mm-hmm. Kelly Oubre out there. You have Markeith and Otto Porter. It's just, it's not built to go that way. And, and when your second best playmaker is probably Tim Hardaway Jr., that, that's an issue, as good as Har- Tim Hardaway has been. Um, the one thing I'll say about this series before we move on to the West is, or, or maybe ask, has Washington shown enough to make you think they can compete with I guess they would be playing Boston or Chicago next round. I was going to say Cleveland, but that would be a, that would be a round later. I mean, so let me put it this way: um, it's really early, but is there any chance Washington takes takes this all the way to the finals? No, 
it they've been good defensively against what could be the worst offensive team in the league and their defense was crud for a big chunk of that stretch run of the season. Do so, you think um I I feel like they would be a pretty strong candidate to uh beat either Chicago or Boston in the next round though, right? Chicago for sure, but, but yeah, either one of either one of those I don't necessarily they're going to go up against the Cavs, and this would be their argument, that they're more balanced than the Cavs because of their defense. Um, I guess in a vacuum, they, they showed that they could defend at a high level for a long period of time where the Cavs have yet to really show that they can do that. So their argument would be we're more balanced than the Cavs who are just so potent on offense, and I don't think that their balance, assuming it exists, is good enough to beat the Cavaliers on that offensive side of the floor. Yeah, I'd probably still take LeBron too. I just... Um... You know, the question marks with their defense, at some point it's got to matter. Here, but Here's the other thing, too. And most of the guys are fairly young, with the exception of Gortat in that starting lineup. But they're so dependent on that starting lineup through the two yeah. games. They have the starting lineup has played four, 40 minutes, so about 20 minutes a game. And no other lineup has played more than six. So you're just... You're, even if you're not relying on them too heavily, you're, you're constantly tinkering, it seems with the second unit or, or with those subsequent lineups. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good place to be when you're facing elite competition, like not only the Cavaliers, but if you go up against a Bulls team that's apparently figured it out, or if you go up against a Celtics team that is healthy and will have clearly just beaten the Bulls, uh, I just don't know. I, it would just be very uncomfortable. Again, the starting lineup was phenomenal. They defended like crap toward the end of the season, but it looks like they've straightened that out, even though I'm not sure the Hawks are a good barometer. Uh, everything else, though, it just seems in this constant yeah. state of flux. Okay. Well, with that series, we'll, I, I think I'll agree with you. Uh, Washington in five, and maybe I'll hold off on my prognostication with them. Um, with that said, let's jump into the West, which obviously starts with the top seed there. There's, there's really not a ton to talk about with this series, too. The only thought I had before we started recording is um, – as weird as it might sound, maybe it's maybe it's kind of a good thing that Durant is out right now, and I'll explain why. Um, not that the Warriors are better without Durant, because I think I think takes like those are crazy. But when he first went down in the regular season, my thought was, well, maybe this will give Curry a chance to sort of regain some of the mojo that he had last season, and I don't think he fully did that. I, I do think that he did regain a little bit of that swagger. And maybe this is an opportunity for him to do that a little more against a team that's really not threatening. I, I totally agree with you. They're not, they, don't need, they don't need Kevin Durant back until the Western Conference Finals at the earliest. And there were people who were saying they might only need him back for the Western Conference Finals. I'm not convinced that the Cavaliers would beat. I mean, if LeBron James is going to play like this, then yeah. But I'm not convinced that they would even need him to beat... Uh, Cleveland, the, where he's most important and where you need both those guys and where Curry um, being Curry isn't necessarily an advantage is, is if you get to a point where a team is going to force you to operate predominantly in the half court and they're going to trap the hell out of Curry and they're going to bounce him uh, off screens and, and he's not going to get calls, you need that other guy who can get shots out of thin air for himself. And Durant makes them unguardable in that way. And if you go up against a team like the Spurs, obviously, or if you face 
Um, the Rockets, who they're they're not a good defensive team, but they've had some good strategies uh, there this this uh, excuse me, wow, this season and their offense. If they're going to be shooting that many threes, you want to have as many shooters on your side as possible. But right now, looking at the Blazers, looking at the Clippers, the Jazz, maybe they would want Kevin Durant because Utah is super physical. But if Rudy Gobert isn't close to a hundred percent by that point, you wouldn't necessarily need Durant for yeah. that series either. Yeah, that would the the Jazz is the only team that I would probably point to as a possibility. Um, but like you said, if they don't have Gobert, then that that that's thrown out the window. Um, this series specifically with Portland, I I'm 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 going to say sweep. Whether Durant comes back or not, I'm sure you probably are too. Yep. Um, I don't know. There's there's not really anything else to talk about with that series, is there? <laughs> Nope, I just think, I mean, the Bla- is there, how do the Blazers win a game? Could you see them even taking game four? Is there any no. feasible scenario? Yeah. I, I mean, the thing that was interesting to me about game two was Durant was out, Curry and Thompson and Green, I think all three didn't even shoot well, and they still just cruised. <laughs> yep. And then game one, they got 75 combined points from Lillard and McCollum and still lost by double digits. I mean, there's nothing else they can do. Uh, yeah, the, the interesting thing, so we took kind of a forward look with the Pacers. Um, is there any way Portland can kind of <laughs> reconfigure what they've done with that roster? I, I feel like they just dug their heels into mediocrity with last summer. I And I don't know if they can trade any of those guys. Like the guys that they signed, Myers Leonard, Evan Turner, Alan Crabb. I mean, they're all fine in their own ways, but um, I think they've, they've really pigeonholed themselves into a roster that's just not very scary beyond those top two guys. Right. Their biggest issue for them might be moving forward, that overlap between Turner, McCollum, and Lillard, guys who we've seen Lillard and McCollum play off the ball, but all three of them prefer to have the ball. And when you introduce Evan Turner into the equation, it gets hard to balance everyone what they should be doing. I don't think you can move forward with all three of them. C.J. McCollum would be interesting because you would clearly keep Damian Lillard. Him and C.J. have proved that they can play together, but how do you build an above-average defense with them as your backcourt? And especially just looking at C.J.'s trade value, he might be someone who can get you a star or like yeah. a package of players that are, that are really going to help you um, get to that next level or climb out of mediocrity. That's going to have to be something that they look at. I think the only way they could justify bringing it back is saying we played a lot better once we got Nurkic and we didn't really get a chance to see yeah what what that would look like in the playoffs. So maybe they they'll at least take the beginning of the season to see how and we have everything to, fits with Nurkic there. And the other thing is, is we have to remember these teams can't just evaluate themselves on oh are we going to beat the Warriors or not. Exactly. Yeah. So if, they, <laughs> if they if their goal is just to win a playoff round like if they would have had a better record, maybe they could have done that and that would be their justification for bringing them back. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but so we're both taking Golden State in four there. Um, the number two, the two seven series got slightly more interesting. Maybe last night, um, Spurs and Grizzlies. I don't think it got that much more interesting. I, I kind of chalk up the Grizzlies win to being sort of fired up about the take that for data rant. Um, I, I think San Antonio will be fine in that series. Yeah, I I would. Still kind of expect it to end in five. You, you With the way the Spurs played on the road for a lot of this year, you would bank on them taking game four, and then why would you expect them to mm-hmm. lose game five? Yeah, I'd probably agree with you. Spurs in five. Um, the one 
or or one thing that's interesting about this series uh, is Kawhi Leonard has just been unbelievable. After after the first two wins, he already had one entire win share by himself, <laughs> which is just mind boggling. He's up to one point one now after last night's loss, but. To accumulate a win share and two wins, that, that just blew my mind. And his PER through three games is still over 40. He's just absolutely – who's the second highest? Do you know? Do you know who he, – he, he's actually the second highest in PER? Oh, is, well, because JaVale's probably one. JaVale, yeah. JaVale McGee – okay, so the, we're harkening back to the one series. But <laughs> JaVale McGee leads all players in the playoffs in PER – Box plus minus win shares per forty eight minutes. That's absolutely absurd. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I tweeted out a Javale. I mean, McGee. I'm sure it'll come back down to earth in a couple games. But right now, that's that's pretty amazing. I tweeted. Out, I tweeted. I Andy. I seriously can't talk today. I apologize to to our half a dozen listeners. Okay, I I understand you. Um, I tweeted out a Javale McGee stat the other day. He was the first, the only player since 1984 to score 15 points while shooting perfect from the field and from the free throw line and also get four blocks. Like he's the only player that did it. I didn't tweet it as like a, he did it 13 minutes. Right. And I I didn't tweet it as a Javal is so great. Like he needs a max contract or something. Like it was clearly, it's like half joking, half wow. When I keep talking about it, it is like kind of tongue in cheek. (laughs) Right. And so, and people were mad. They were like, yeah, well no one cares. And they were, one person was like, yeah, but Steph's better. Like, yes, okay, like, okay, Steph is better than JaVal McGee. No one's saying that. It's just... I think it's fine to appreciate the fact that he's been pretty good for the Warriors, though. I think it's actually kind of a cool story. I think it's great. I mean, it, it, a lot of it's to do with the, the talent around him and also the culture yep. of that locker room has helped him, but that doesn't make what he's doing any less impressive. One thing that I think is cool is when he's on the floor, it, it seems like those guys love playing with him, too. Like, they love trying to get him lobs. They get all fired up when he gets blocks. Um, I, I think his addition to the Warriors has been a cool story. But back to Leonard. Um, <laughs> we went from Kawhi Leonard to JaVale McGee. Yeah. That's one hell of a transition. <laughs> That's the 2017 playoffs for you. So I mentioned his advanced stats. Um, the, the basic ones are insane, too. Through three games, 29 points a game, shooting 66.7% from the field, 100% from the line. On almost eleven attempts a game, um, <laughs> the nineteen just of nineteen number. six rebounds, three assists. Hysterical. Nineteen yeah. of nineteen. I know David Fisdale was pissed, um, but but he's playing at an all time level right now. Yep. We've, so yeah, I think I think they'll ride that to to a five game victory. I'm with you there. On to the three six matchup, which has been disappointing to this point. Yeah, it looked like. It looked like Westbrook might be able to carry the Thunder to that game two victory, and then the, he just <laughs> imploded, exploded. I don't know. In the fourth <laughs> quarter, it was like the perfect. That fourth quarter to me was the perfect explanation for the people who thought he shouldn't be MVP. And and listeners of this podcast know I picked him, but during that fourth quarter, I thought, oh yeah, now I understand. I mean, it was always I always kind of understood, but. To see it in such dramatic fashion in the playoffs, it was like, oh, yeah, that's why people were still down on Westbrook after all this. See, I didn't 
could, could at least that's take, how I took it. Couldn't you take it the exact other way? There, he he made some really bad decisions in that fourth quarter. He shot what did he shoot four of eighteen or what was it? Four of eighteen for a quarter. I mean, just completely hijacked. The right, games. and he hijacked the game, which I think is the problem. But to his in his defense, what what other option was there? Look at like I, you can't look at the fourth quarter. Obviously, only three other players scored for the Thunder. Um, and no one scored more than three points besides him. Just who's his number two? You can argue, and this is a problem, that Andre Roberson has been their second-best offensive player of this series, almost solely because um, he hit 6 of 12 from the field in Game 2, but he also he nailed a ton of three-pointers in Game 1. And while James Harden is eating on the offensive end at points, I, I, he, he makes life difficult on him. Harden didn't shoot particularly well from the field in game two and I I struggled to think or I fear to think where the Thunder would be if they didn't have Roberson to, to really help with the pick and roll coverage and at least make life a lot more difficult than it could be on Harden. So So maybe you could say he didn't have much of a choice in that moment. Um but I think the the Westbrook experience over the course of the season maybe contributed to that being the case in that moment. Right. Like over fair. the course of the season, um and I didn't think about this enough when I was thinking about MVP, but he didn't really help anybody get better in like a macro level. Yep. Like he helps them when he's on the floor in the sense that he gets assists and, you know, their net rating is better when he's on the floor. But players in general didn't take a step forward um, in like their career progression. Like Victor Oladipo did not get better this season. And his Cantor didn't get better this season. Steven Adams probably got worse this season. Um, It's amazing how important Kevin Durant clearly was to Steven Adams. Yeah. Is is what I kind of took away from that is for Westbrook, you need him to, if you want him to help your team on that profound level, aside from being the one man show, it needs to be an ESPN.com. Zach Lewis said this a million times, a spread pick and roll system, but Durant can make the system and then just make it great, which is why I never understood the arguments that started to creep about saying Westbrook might be the better player than Durant. It's not even Westbrook is phenomenal. Durant is clearly better. Yeah. And I think um, maybe if they did like transition to that spread pick and roll system and maybe build a roster that's more suited to that with some more shooters, um, it might look a little better, but it was, it was like everything culminated in that fourth quarter uh, of game two, and it was just, it just kind of clicked in my mind, like, oh yeah, that's why so many people were still on James Harden for MVP. And I don't know how, at this point, when you look at their salary cap situation, I'm not necessarily sure how they get. Um, I don't know either. It's tough to get out from under those Cantor and Adams contracts, I think. And they're going to have to pay Roberson. Right. I, I'm not even sure they. If Do you want to pay Roberson? I don't. I mean, I don't know. If they carry um, Taj Gibson's hold along with Roberson's hold, they they'll be in a luxury tax bef- before even re-signing those two. So Jeez. unless you renounce Taj Gibson, you you don't even have the option of using the full mid level, and that would be their best bet at adding a shooter. So they, they yeah, I didn't realize they were even that um, strapped already. Wow. So what do you think for the series? The, so in the Thunder's defense, they were kind of together or close within striking distance in game one until 
at some point in the third quarter. They had a lead in the fourth quarter of game two. I kind of expect them to win game I, three. Just because they I was haven't just played say, good. I think they'll... They, Go ahead. They, they haven't played well yet. And my, like the, the thing for me is while Houston ran away with game one, they haven't, it, they've only dominated for small spurts, which is fine. In the NBA, if you dominate for two to four minutes at a time and you do that two or three times a game, like you'll win by a decided margin. But the Thunder were still hanging around later in games. Maybe we still have a chance to see a competitive series. I think they'll ride the home crowd to a game three victory. Um, but I'm, you know, based on what I've seen so far, I think I can pretty confidently say Houston wins this. And um, I'm going to go in six. Yeah, I'll say six, too. That, I guess that was my question is, will the Thunder get more than a win? Yeah, I think they'll get a couple. I, I Just the sheer force of Westbrook is, um, it's tough to hold down that many times, I think. So I think they'll get, I think they'll get two wins. And that brings us to? Yeah, the final series, uh, the four five in the West, which um, has looked much different than I think anyone probably expected because Rudy Gobert went down on the very first play of the series. And that obviously altered things quite a bit. He's definitely Utah's most important player. Um, I'm not sure he's their best player. I, I think there's an argument that he is, but he's definitely most important. He's also their best. Um, <laughs> and I'm fine. I think I'm, I'm probably ready to say that too. Uh, they win game one without him against the Clippers, but then the Clippers come back. And while it was close the whole time, I always felt like uh, the Clippers were kind of in control of game two. So um, that leaves us with game three back in Utah. I don't really know where this series is going. It's probably encouraging that, like the regular season series, this first-round matchup is, is being played in a style that the Jazz want it to be. I know that they didn't play well in the regular season series, but you don't want to get into a pace-and-space battle with the Clippers. Yeah, they've slowed it down, which is good. They've slowed it down to about 90 possessions, um, which is well below the Clippers' pace, and it's right around where the Jazz were all season. I, I think the problem obviously, is that there's no Gobert. And, and the Clippers scored 60 points in the paint during uh, game two. And I don't see any way Utah can reverse that until he gets back. And will he come back? Like, a sprained knee is just... Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, there's, there's really no indication from Utah where he is right now. Um, Rodney Hood had the same injury earlier in the season, hyperextension and bone bruise, and he was out for a couple of weeks. And you would think this guy that they just signed to a hundred million contract, who's in his early twenties, they wouldn't want to push him back too soon and kind of risk future prospects for the franchise. But uh, yeah, if if he doesn't come back, I think the Clippers probably win in six because I as uh, Favors has been gutsy trying to fill in for Gobert, but it's just nowhere near the same thing. I still think the Jazz are going to push it to seven games. I don't think they'll win without Gobert, but I just I had the Clippers in seven they, even before Gobert went down, just because of how the regular season series unfolded. But they've again the points in the paint thing is a problem. You don't have really a rim protector to replace Gobert even come close. But you've seen you have serviceable perimeter guys. Joe Ingles is absolutely fantastic, and if 
if they if you get you Gordon Hayward can step up. He's a good defender. Rodney Hood can be a good defender. You're not going to win those battles every night, those individual battles on the perimeter to keep these guys out of the paint, but they have enough prevention outside to limit the hemorrhaging inside. And I think that would be um, just with their depth and their efficiency typically on offense, even though they don't necessarily play the right style all the time, this just seems like a series that's fated to go the difference no matter what personnel we're talking about. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, if it went seven, I've, I've been about as critical of Quinn Snyder as any jazz fan or writer over the course of the season. But I have to give him credit that even with all the injuries they went through this season, no matter who's out there, it seems like they play hard. Because um, Joe Ingles they, is the man. <laughs> he, he really is a big part of that. He, he's a guy that doesn't shrink um, in the face of really anything on a basketball court. And... I think they have a couple guys like that, and, and that counts in basketball. It's it, The team that plays really hard can usually keep it close unless there's just like a huge talent discrepancy like there right. would be with like the Nets or something like that. But, um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they just sort of compete their way into a seventh game. But the way Chris Paul's playing right now, um, the way DeAndre Jordan can play in the absence of Gobert, it's it's really hard for me to – to see Utah overcoming that. Another big problem is the defense of Bob Mute has, it's been a problem for Hayward for years now. Um, it's, it's been a pretty big problem on the national stage here in the playoffs too. This series has so many interesting free agents. Like, yeah. it's, like Gordon Hayward, we know is a max player, but where is he going to sign? Especially if the jazz get bounced in the first round. I know you can keep chalking up these failures to injuries over the last, let's say three years or definitely the last two, but is that enough to bring him back if he doesn't make an All-NBA team? What is Joe Ingles going to get? What is Reddick going to get? What is Mbaa Moot going to get? What is George Hill going to get? There's just so many fascinating things to consider. And for the Jazz Either one part, of these teams could be like on a completely different path after this series. Right, depending on the outcome. And mm-hmm. what do you think, gut feeling, if the Jazz lose is... And Hayward's the glue, right? If you re-sign Hayward... You definitely pay whatever it takes to keep Ingles. You probably pay what it takes to keep George Hill. So do you think Hayward is back if the Jazz lose the series? It's really hard. I, I, I feel like I'm more of a pessimist on this than other people. I'm getting worried that he's going to leave. I was listening to another podcast. Uh, gosh, I think it, it might have been the Salt City Hoops podcast. It was either that or Zach Lowe, but they were talking about the Miami stuff. And... um. It would be hard as an NBA player to go down to Miami and to to see what is offered there uh, with Pat Riley and the culture of that city. And um, I hope this doesn't come off as like offensive to people from Utah, but it might be hard to go back there after being shown around Miami for a while. The one thing I'll um, say is part of the most appealing thing there is like the nightlife. And Gordon Hayward is married with a kid and doesn't seem like yeah, he's a family man yeah. for sure. Yeah. So that helps the Jazz. But, there, I mean, there's still – people like to live in warm weather. Right, Places yeah. where there's lots of – I mean, he can take his kids to Disney World. Not that that's a problem for him <laughs> anyway, but it's certainly closer. Um, the thing about Boston that scares me is, you know, a lot of Utah fans will say, well, he's he's already played for Quinn Snyder longer than he's played for Brad Stevens. That doesn't mean necessarily that he likes playing for Quinn Snyder more than Brad Stevens. Um 
And don't he could have, have a really relationship? strong relationship. Yeah. Doesn't it predate the college? Or no, is it just from college? I thought um, it predated it for some reason. That I don't know. I mean, he's an Indiana guy, so maybe. But yeah, it could be he just likes playing for, for Brad Stevens. So that one still scares me a little bit too. But I, I do think that Utah has a very strong case as well. I mean, there aren't many players better suited to playing with Hayward than Rudy Gobert. Um, and and I, I, I have a pretty good relationship with Quinn Snyder, and they are building something. It's one that's really tough for me to predict. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, and I think I'm, for some reason I'm not as worried about the Miami bugaboo as you would be because I just don't know that the Heat – if you go there, is Goran Dragic and Whiteside better than anything you're going to have in yeah, Utah competitively? So. And I think the Heat, even Riley said, are going to focus on their own guys. Uh, the Boston one's interesting because they can carve out enough space to sign Hayward, and then you can turn around and offer, you know, let's say Bradley and Brown and the number one pick for and other picks for Paul George or Jimmy Butler. And all of a sudden, you have a core. That of, team is super interesting. All of a sudden, right? So that that has to appeal to him beyond the the Brad Stevens connection. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's I, definitely part of it. I don't see the Jazz aren't going to win this series without Gobert. It's just I would be I would be honestly surprised if they won. But I am expecting it to go to a game seven, which is I know that seems weird. Then that I'm saying that. Yeah, I'm going to say if if Gobert doesn't come back, I'm going to say Clippers in six. Uh, if Gobert does come back, I'm going to say Jazz in seven, just to oh, be bold. Yeah. Nice, <laughs> just so we can disagree on something. Yeah, that wraps us up, though. That's uh, the playoffs in a nutshell. We know that we've given you guys as uh, as solid and succinct a review of all the action as you could possibly hear. You're welcome. We're thankful that you tuned in for it. Yeah. Oh yeah, thank um, you. I shouldn't be saying you're welcome. <laughs> well, you should be saying you're welcome. Um, this uh, as always has been the Hardwood Knox podcast we'd love if you guys would subscribe to us on iTunes or blog talk and if you are listening you probably already are a subscriber so maybe go out and tell somebody else to subscribe that would be cool Um, leave us a rating at any of those spots you can find Dan at Dan Favale F-A-V-A-L-E on Twitter I'm at Andrew D. Bailey Uh, the show is at Hardwood Knox And as always, shout out to Bino Udry. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey guys, Clay Thompson here. I need to give a shout out to my mom. She said I should read the newspaper before games to take my mind off things. It's become a pregame ritual, but it also is how I stay informed. Keeping up on local news, sports, or just about anything, I read the paper. So should you. Whether it's digital or print, it doesn't matter. Go to clayoffer.com and subscribe today. Local news delivered your way, digital or print. Stay informed on news that matters to you. Go to clayoffer.com. Brought to you by the Mercury News, East Bay Times, and Marin Independent Journal. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.